Hi, this is Paul from The Atypical Rainbow. Normally you'd be hearing from Grant and I at this point in the episode, but this is a unique disclaimer. In this episode, Gaily Life Honesty, we're going to touch on a few subjects very briefly and not in any way in depth, but that may be sensitive for some listeners. These topics include suicide, euthanasia, gun violence, war, cancer, and family violence. If you've been affected by any of these subjects, or if these are trigger subjects for you, we would encourage you not to listen to this episode. If you are experiencing any trauma, family violence, or any mental health issues, we encourage you to seek the advice of your local health professional or contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. That's 13 11 14. If you do choose to continue listening to the episode, we hope you enjoy it. Thank you. Welcome to the Atypical Rainbow. I'm Paul. And I'm Grant. Uh, and this is another episode in the series Gaily Life. Uh, today, we're going to talk about honesty, and I'm going to start with a story. So, back in high school, I had this friend who uh, we met because we went on the same bus together on the way home from school. And we had a shared love of Madonna and other pop music uh, divas. We were friends for about maybe a year or two. I'm not, possibly not even that. When there came a point when he started becoming quite clingy. And I think our friendship was drifting, at least from my perspective, but he was very keen to hang on. There was a day when uh, he invited me to his birthday party. And this was after I'd kind of decided in my own head I actually didn't want to be friends anymore. And I used every possible excuse in the book to get out of attending this party. But I wasn't honest with him or direct with him about it. But there was always a way around it. He found very, he like, he changed the date of the party and he, he found ways to accommodate me and I just, he wasn't really taking the hint. Maybe the hint wasn't obvious enough, that might have been my fault, but it, it just wasn't really working. So I decided to break up with him. So uh, we met up at a shopping centre and we sat down and I told him that I didn't want to be friends anymore and I felt awful. Like, I just felt really terrible about what I said. But it needed to be said because I just didn't think he was really getting the message. And he was so unbelievably distraught about it. And I think what it made me sort of think about myself was that while honesty, I think, is important, the consequences of honesty I just wasn't prepared to deal with. Now, admittedly, I was a teenager, so and I was emotionally charged, and at the time, you know, I, I had autism without having the diagnosis. So there was a lot there that I probably wasn't equipped for when it came to dealing with honesty, but it, it just... What it makes me think about now is that, as a parent, philosophically, I want to be honest with my kids about everything. But realistically, I don't think I'm necessarily emotionally ready to deal with the consequences. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, Is there any... Like, there's obviously the obvious lies that parents tell. Yes. (laughs) Is there anything beyond that that you really struggle with whether to tell the truth about? I think sexuality... I mean, obviously, it depends on the age of the kid. If they were, you know... Uh, a teenager, admittedly, the age at which people might think it's appropriate to tell the kids about sexuality will vary. But if the kids ever asked about uh, sex, I don't a hundred percent know how I'd handle it. So we've we've had in the sex talk. Yeah, the sex talk. Like we've had the question, uh, where do babies come from? And I managed to dodge it by talking specifically about sperm and ova without really talking about the act that leads to that integration. So, well, Jake read a book that basically told him that same thing. So, yeah, yeah. So you know, it, there are ways to do it, but I guess 
how honest is too honest, I think, is really the, the big question. Well, I think you have to, at some stage, be honest about the sex talk. We've had an interesting situation because Jake wondered about it, but he asked Matt, and then Matt gave him a very inaccurate answer. <laughs> and neither of them have asked anything since. <laughs> Um, yeah, there was something about a woman eating a seed. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so I think every parent at some stage needs to be honest about sex. I think you've got to be age appropriate. Though I, I did get some pretty good advice, weirdly from the kid's music teacher, <laughs> who said that basically a sex ed person had once told her, um, I think this was in relation to a special school with so kids with intellectual disability. So the sex ed instructor basically said, what you do is you just teach them. And if they're not ready to take the information in, they actually don't take the information in. Mm. Um, so, yeah, you just be honest and then they'll sort of take in what they can cope with. Yeah, I, I find that uh, to be probably quite accurate because I remember when I was growing up watching, um, you know, sitcoms and in sitcoms, they quite commonly talk about sex to mm-hmm. varying degrees. Maybe not quite le- quite as overt as perhaps Sex in the City. But I don't recall remembering all these sex jokes. And then watching it as an adult, I'm like, oh, wow, this show's raunchy. Or it, has, it really talks about sex a lot. How did I not notice this? And you're right. It's because you, you absorb what you want to absorb. Yeah, I think sitcoms gave me a confusion about what sex was. Mm. which led to my parents giving me their sex talk because they were concerned that sitcoms had confused me. In what way? Well, I knew it was something you did, but I had no idea what it was. Sure. So, at one stage I had this, like, notebook, and I was going to, like, keep records of my life because, you know, I was that type of kid who, like, made headings for things he never filled in. Uh, but one of the headings was, like, sex in restaurants, and my parents were like, what is he talking about? Because I just want sitcoms, and when you really like someone, you had sex with them, but I didn't know what that was. Mm. So I might have just thought it was like a date. Yeah. Uh, so then my parents were like, okay, he's using the word. We should probably explain what the word means so he stops using the word wrong. Yeah. So then they gave me the sex talk. Yeah. Um, using a book called, what is it? Where Did I Come From? Which uh, I think is classic. a famous classic book. Yeah. <laughs> Would you ever talk to the kids about our sex life? I, I don't know if the kids would want to know about our sex life. But we can't assume that, though. So let's say that they were curious. So, so let's say that they heard about heterosexual sex. Yeah. And then got confused by the fact that, you know, one of us isn't a woman. So what would you want to do in that situation? I guess I would explain it without making it personal, which I guess is what most people do. Like, my parents taught me about sex, and that's where babies come from. So if you follow the logic... <laughs> Yeah. They were talking about their own, you know, sex life and how they'd had children because we weren't adopted. Mm. But I didn't join those dots. Sure. So I guess if it was a question about gay sex in general, then I'd probably just explain gay sex in general rather than, you know, explaining our sex life in specifics. Yeah. But would you, like, would you say that? Would you say, actually, I don't want to talk about our sex life? No, I probably wouldn't outright say it's not... Like, I'm not going to, you know, describe what me and Ball do. Mm. <laughs> I'd probably just describe gay sex in a scientific way. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is obviously how I got around the whole making babies kind of discussion as well. Yeah, but 
you know, they weren't really interested in knowing how their friend's parents had sex. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't really what they were asking. True. But I guess this is the point, is that so often I hear parents say, you know, when we're talking about the kids, like, I, I want to be totally honest with my kids. But that's not really accurate. You want to be as honest as you're comfortable with. And where where that line is really depends on the parent as much as, it, more so, really, than it does on the child. Because if it, a child has a question, what? how do we know what their intent is? How do we know what, what answer they're actually seeking? Or is it simply that we just assume we know what answer they're trying to seek and we give that to them? See, I try to give them an age-appropriate, honest answer. So but, I don't lie to them. But who decides what's age-appropriate? Well, like, okay, so an example of it is that I've had conversations with the boys a couple of times. So the first time with, with both boys, the second time was basically with Jake. About what suicide is. And when they were younger, um, and your mum mentioned it in front of them, which was a lovely grandma thing to do, mm. uh, I think my answer was that sometimes people think they want to die, but they're confused, and that's why she's going to go help them. Because mm. uh, being a doctor, her intent was to help them not commit suicide. Mm. Um, whereas more recently, when Jake actually asked what suicide was, I went into more depth and made sure I answered all of his questions about it. Um, including her questions about how people do it. Mm. So, being a bit older, I I didn't... I made sure I didn't romanticise it or anything like that. Um, but I told him a lot more detail this time than I did when he was younger, where it was a very... It was still true that it's sort of a problem where people think they want to kill themselves, but they don't. They, it's never the answer. Like, I didn't go into euthanasia when he was young. I didn't go into euthanasia either time. But I did give different, I feel, age-appropriate answers. And I think we've also done that with autism. Like, the ways we've talked about autism have evolved as they've grown up. We're giving them more information. Like, the other day I actually had a conversation with Jake about the difference between a child having a tantrum and an autistic person having a meltdown. And I defined the difference there. But when we first started talking about autism, I didn't give him all the information about autism, like hundreds of pages worth of information about autism. Mm. I kind of just give it to him as it's relevant. Yeah. Um, so it probably started with thinking, like just a simple, understandable statement of they think differently. Um, and there was probably, I probably made some sort of statement of, you know, sometimes they're better at certain things, but they have trouble with things that other people find easy. So, sort of like a very young version of it, but not dishonest. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. And, and I guess that, that follows along the, the idea, or against the idea more accurately, that, you know, uh, a, a lie by omission is still a lie. But I guess it, what you're describing is more just um, knowing your audience. I guess. Yeah, I think a, like an, a lie of omission is more of an adult concept, I think. Like, I think with children, it's more age-appropriate. Like, there's a point where... So, they're in four-year-old kinder. So, they're about four. Where Matt was looking at a globe, and he pointed to North America, and he said, that's where people shoot each other. Um, which, we got really confused about why he was saying that. <laughs> but he seemed to have an understanding that some people shooting at you was a bad thing, but he didn't seem to connect death into it. Mm. Like, he didn't want someone to shoot at him, but he didn't seem to think that being shot led to death. 
which he now might. Mm. But he was four. I wasn't going to go into a big discussion. And also, Matt gets very upset about things. Like, when I was having the suicide conversation with Jake, Matt couldn't cope with hearing it. So you had to take him away to another room. Um, And we've had similar things where I think the kids asked, how how do countries grow or how do countries... Um, go in, like, yeah, how did countries grow or something? And you told them about invasions and wars. Yeah. Um, and it was a, a very simple, age-appropriate thing. Um, but then Matt didn't want people talking about wars. He didn't like the idea of wars. Another example is yesterday, um, my parents were talking about cancer in front of the kids. And Jake had questions about cancer. And he actually asked, you know, what is the worst cancer? And we actually, you know, you told him about cancer. Hmm. Um, so we gave him an honest answer about cancer that was age appropriate. Yeah. And also I couched that in the positive rather. So I talked about how, yes, okay. Cancer can happen to people, but you know, with the good health system and with early detection, it, it can be treated reasonably well. Yeah. Cause you're not trying to traumatize your children. And and those things are true, that we live in a country with universal healthcare, Mm. and that some cancers are quite operable, and we're getting better at cancers. Nothing was not true. Yeah. Um, I think there is a difference between including some of the positives in things, and just basically just traumatising children with the stark, dark reality. Yeah. So, on a slightly brighter note, do you think there's an age in which kids should learn the truth about the many myths that we teach them? I think kids always do learn truth about the myths, though sometimes it's actually the the little lies you tell that the kids take on. Like, I think I've spoken about the fact that I spent a long time believing that there was a law that you couldn't have more cars than adults in a household. Yeah, which was which is your parents' way of, of trying to convince you, no, to try and ease your anxiety about selling their car. Yes, selling yeah. one of their cars. And I, re- and I believed that for longer than the actual myths, because I kind of worked out those myths weren't true. Mm. Whereas that, I guess I didn't really understand the purpose of the lies, so I believed it. Until, like, I was in VCE and studied legal studies and I realised that wasn't actually a law. Wow, that is a long time. (laughs) Well, it never really come up. Yeah. Uh, I guess I I asked the question because uh, a pair of friends of ours are not teaching the child about Santa. We know know a few people who aren't. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, completely understandable and I I get it. And um, I guess it was just kind of interesting... It was just that kind of interesting idea, the reasoning behind not teaching about Santa. You know, some people have much more personal reasons for it. So I know that your sister-in-law really didn't want to teach about Santa because she wanted the kids to be aware of how hard she and her husband had worked to get the kids the presents they had. So there was much less this, much more gratitude for what they had rather than this mythical creature who was just giving them stuff for being good kids. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I just, I, I like the Santa myth. I personally think it's kind of harmless uh, and I, I enjoy the, the, the magic it brings, but whether other people believe it doesn't bother me, really. It's just, it's just, it's just interesting, you know, the degrees of honesty. Yeah. Like, I think that's a, normally the one that people quote as, you know, parents aren't honest. <laughs> mm. But I don't know. I think we all make an exception for it, and I don't really know anyone who, as an adult, was traumatised by that. 
Mm. So, I don't know. It is the exception to the rule sometimes. Yeah. So, if we were to teach our children about honesty... I guess we do teach them about honesty. Even so. mm. like, how honest do you want the kids to be with other people? Whether that be adults or other kids. Well, I think with the kids, I do focus on the idea that I want them to always feel like they can tell people if something's making them uncomfortable. So, I do make a big deal about... They, they, they always have a right to tell me something, even if it's going to upset the other person. Like, if one of them does something to the other one. I've always established that they can tell me that, you know, you can't tell your brother not to tell daddy something. Because I don't want to set a precedent where they think it's okay for someone to tell them to keep a secret. Yeah. And that that kind of goes with, I guess... To some degree, paranoia. We, like, mm. it, is, it is weird what we think about. But then it's important, like, for the one kid in a thousand who needs that lesson. You don't never know if it's going to be your kid who needs that lesson. Yeah, that's true. I don't need them to tell people everything. But I do sometimes talk to them about why they're keeping a secret. Um, but then sometimes I also, uh, like, ask them to keep little secrets. But I've always made it clear that they are allowed to tell you any secret I tell them. <laughs> yeah. I think I think the nuances is where the, it's going to get a little bit lost for the, for the kids with yeah. the autism. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess... I try to minimise the nuances. Yeah. Um, but, like, yes, yesterday I told them both different secrets because I actually just wanted to say something to Jake without upsetting Matt. So then I made up a secret to tell Matt. All oh, right, there you go. Speaking of honesty. Yeah. Um, which I never said that it was the same secret I told them both. I, I told them I was telling them different secrets. Okay. But yeah, I've, I, like, I've always established that anything I tell them that's a secret is not actually a secret from you as well. Yeah. So yeah. it's not a hundred percent, nothing's a hundred percent secret. So, I, I guess thinking back to the, the opening story, so right now the kids are going through uh, this very weird friendship dilemma where there's a kid at their school who has been quite demanding mm-hmm. um, and quite uh, insulting to them. But Matt particularly, as I think we've spoken about in the podcast, is very sensitive to people not liking him. Yeah. So, I think when this child befriended Matt, Matt just kind of thought, oh, well, this person asked, therefore I should befriend them. Despite the fact that this this child's behavior has been consistently quite demanding, asking for passwords to to accounts and um, insisting that Matt spend money on things that even though he doesn't want to. And look, part of this, of course, is um, self-awareness and self-confidence. So Matt... Although Matt is sensitive about other people not liking him, he's also surprisingly self-confident. So he's he was very much like, no, I don't want to do that. Like, he questioned mm. it a little bit, but ultimately he went with his gut and said, no, this doesn't make me feel comfortable, which was great. I thought that was um, uh, very empowered of him. But what it brought to my mind is how honest should we encourage Matt to be with this kid? How much should we say to Matt, look... Just tell this kid you don't want to be friends with him anymore because he's not being a nice person. You want to encourage him to break up with his friends? Well, kind of, because I don't necessarily want Matt to have to go through the kind of stuff that I went through, which is all a parent ever wants, so that they don't want their child to experience the same negative experiences. But the thing is, though, that even if I give Matt that advice, he's the one who's going to have to live with the consequences. So if this child takes it badly, 
in whatever way that may potentially take. I'm not going to be the one who has to deal with the fallout. So how how much do we encourage honesty the in terms of how the kids interact with other people rather than us? Yeah, I think I've approached the same problem but with a different way, which is probably less relevant to honesty. <laughs> because I think Matt is like me in that he will give people infinite chances. Um, so I talked to him about the fact that not being friends with someone who is being mean to you doesn't make you not a nice person or a kind person. Because mm. that's very big with Matt. Like, Matt wants to be a Hufflepuff because I told them they're, told him they're the kind ones. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he wants to be Cedric Diggory. <laughs> Hopefully mm. with a better ending. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he for him, he's... I guess identity is around being liked and being nice and being friends with people. Mm. So I approached it with the thing that none of none of his identity changes by not constantly opening himself up to being bullied by this kid. Mm. So I guess I wasn't really expecting him to, you know, sit down and break up with this kid at the shopping centre. Yeah. Especially because of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of, yeah, I wanted to allow him to know that he doesn't have to be friends with someone who is getting nothing out of the friendship. Which I guess is the advice I would have given young you as well. But in your case, I guess you need to be honest because you, subtlety wasn't working. And also, the, in my case, the, the friend in question wasn't being a bad person. Yeah. You know, there was no... Other than the fact that we just would, were not getting along anymore and we were drifting apart... There was there was no animosity. There yeah, was no he wasn't bullying. bullying you. It's exactly. not like you were befriending your bully. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, it, I think my situation is different. But even then, so you know, Jake is a funny case because I think that part of his autism is actually a bit protective because he's also very honest and he's he's a bit of a justice warrior. He's very much like mm. these are the rules. Why aren't you following the rules? And. I think he cares about other people's opinion less, which actually I think works to his advantage. Yeah, if Jake decides that your opinion is wrong, he doesn't care anymore. Yeah. Like, with this kid, he's like, this kid said I was rude. I wasn't rude. He was wrong. Yeah. And that's enough for Jake. It's like, why is this person wrong? Yeah. Which, in a way, is useful if Jake is in the right. If Jake weren't in the right, that's when it gets a little bit messier. So one of the things that we talked about with Jake was uh, interpreting in, uh, insults. So I know that uh, one of one of my uh, old med school friends, he and I call each other names. So he, he calls me fat and I call him ugly. But it's all very jovial. Neither of us mean it because we know it's not true. Uh, but we've established that. Like, that's just, that's the clear part of our relationship and we do it. And the kids have certainly been witness to that and have understood it. So before we went and passed judgment on this other kid for making insulting jokes, we verified with Jake is this part of your relationship? Is this acceptable? Is this, you know, is this something you enjoy? And Jake's like, no. And I went, okay, great. That's clear. You're not enjoying it. Have you told him that? And and I don't... I, he did. And obviously it didn't get well received. And so, yeah, Jake sort of made up his mind that he just wasn't interested in interacting with this child. Mm. And again, it, it's, it is funny because I think uh, part of me goes... But Jake's honesty will get him in trouble. Like, I think he's, he's going to be too honest or he's going to try to order people around too much and it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause problems for him. But at the same time, he's not me. 
Like, I, if it were me, I would be terrified because I'd be like, oh, I don't want to put people off. But if he doesn't care, does it really matter? I think we're talking before about the idea that if two autistic people, both in their right in a situation where it's grey, it can be a problem. Mm. Because they don't see the greyness. So they both go, I'm right, why is the other person not agreeing with me? Yeah. So I think that might be what will trip up Jake. Yeah. That he will see black and white even when there is grey. And he'll clash with someone else who might also see black and white when there's grey. Yeah. And neither person is in the wrong, so then it becomes a problem. Yeah. But but interestingly, I think that on a social level, there is the argument to be had that if this is a friend that isn't having an argument with, rather than, say, a colleague or an acquaintance or something, then the argument would be that it's neither of their obligations to change or adapt to the other, but that simply the friendship just isn't working. Yes. I think it becomes more of a problem when it is a work environment. Especially, I guess, if Jake was the young new person and he disagreed with how his boss was running things. Yeah. Because I think that's where we've both gotten situations um, where an established person is running things in a certain way and we're like, no, that's that's not the right way. I was right. Yours was more grey. <laughs> <laughs> so you think. <laughs> I, I have financial records to prove mine. <laughs> Even though I'm the only person who understood them and I couldn't communicate it very well because of my autistic traits. Mm. It comes... I think honesty really becomes a problem in relationships. And that's what it is. It's mm. about how you interact with the world. And ethically, we all like the idea of honesty. We like the idea of honesty from our politicians. We like the idea of honesty from our health professionals. We all like the idea that the people who are there to give us advice or here to guide us, and the people who matter in our lives, are honest with us. But I guess... The third perspective is being the recipient of honesty. I mean, the thing is that I know for me, I don't take criticism well. I'm a lot better now than I was before. A lot, lot better. Mm -hmm. But I still don't love it. Yeah. Um, if I can recognize it in myself and if I agree with it, great. But if I, if I disagree, then it, it hurts me personally and I get mm -hmm. really angry. So... You just probably have this friend of yours felt because you were like, this friendship is not working. And they're like, well, it's working for me. It's just not working for you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So you were honest about your feelings, but it doesn't make it any easy for them. Yeah. So, I like, I guess, how reasonable is it for us as individuals to expect honesty of others, knowing that honesty could potentially cause emotional distress? Yes. I also, this is a bit of a tangent, but I did hear a podcast about honesty and it got me really annoyed once about um, the black and white idea that honesty is always the morally right thing to do. Because when you're in a position of power, being honest is probably the right thing to do. But there are situations where being honest is actually not safe. And the one that comes to mind is domestic violence. Mm. So, like, if a woman is in a situation, or a man, is in a situation where they, they want to get help because they're endangered, they might have to lie to get that help. They might have to lie about where they're going or who they're calling. Um, like, there was the example of someone ringing, I think it was 911, because I think it was in America, um, and pretending they were ordering a pizza and sort of getting across to the person that they were in danger mm. while pretending to order pizza. So I think sometimes if, you're, if you have a nice life where, ev where you know, everything is going well, you can 
make statements like you should always be honest. But there are people who are lying for their safety. Yeah. And I think it's important to acknowledge that it's not morally black and white. That there are situations where, you know, lying is needed. Or even, like, even, you know, I don't know, if you're being held up, you might have to tell lies to, you know, save yourself in a situation. Mm. So, I think, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's fair to judge it as black and white. Yeah, I agree with that entirely. And and I think that ties back into nicely what I'm saying about the recipient of honesty is that philosophically, we all want everyone to be honest with us. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that there are situations in which it's not, it's just not practical. It's not logical to do so. So we kind of have to accept that honesty comes with an asterisk. Yes. And there are degrees of honesty as well. So, um, for example, when I deliver information or a management strategy to a patient, if I omit things, it's not because I'm being dishonest. It's because I'm focusing on the key points. But then, uh, uh, you know, on occasions, patients have gone, why didn't you mention this? And I thought, well, I I wasn't particularly concerned by it and I didn't think it was relevant to your situation. I didn't lie about it. It's just that I didn't think it was necessary. Yeah. That might be similar to the sort of age appropriate. Yeah, exactly. Honesty... Like, honesty, an appropriate amount. Yeah, knowing your audience, yeah. I think, is really the key thing. And and I think that's where... Again, I agree with you that the idea of black and white honesty, like, honesty in the purest sense, is actually not practical in the real mm. world. I mean, I would love it. Don't get me wrong. I would love it if everyone were just black and white honest about what they were doing. But that would be more like criminals, on you know, honestly admitting that they'd committed a crime. Which is fine, and would be ideal, but it doesn't work... Honesty doesn't work on, on the grander scale, because, again, it's about how people receive the honesty as much. Because, I, you know, in back to the original story, it was important for me to be honest... But I didn't enjoy the way that it was received. It made me feel bad for the for the friend or ex-friend, as it were, mm-hmm. to, to hurt them. Because that wasn't my intent. But yeah. also, not being honest was, was not helping things move forward. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think on a lighter note, we can all be amused about lying when people are lying to children about what ingredients are in things. Huh? So, like, if, if you tell a child that everything's made of bacon... Yeah, <laughs> it's, everyone loves that one. There's um, there's a joke from Parks and Recreation where uh, a character managed to convince their kids to eat broccoli because broccoli turns to cupcakes in their stomach. I quite enjoyed that one too. <laughs> I, that was pretty good. Um, all well intentioned. This is the thing. These are these are well intentioned lies. Yeah. But I think where it gets morally grey is whether the intention itself is appropriate. Yes. You should probably stop lying to your thirty year old children about. Cupcakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they might do a medical degree and they're like, Wait, like someone ate broccoli and are you trying to get the cupcake out of their stomach? <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, thanks for listening. Please make sure you reach out to us on Facebook and Instagram at The Atypical Rainbow. Check out our older episodes if you like what you heard today. Uh, we can be found on Acast and wherever you get good podcasts. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next time.